All right, Tom, we are live. So uh, what's happening with you? I know we chatted a little bit off camera, I guess now at this point, a couple weeks ago at this point, talking about the uh, the testing situation that is so much in the news. Everybody's just hearing every day in the news. We got to have more tests. We got to have more tests. Uh, what do you think when you hear this stuff in the news? Well, you know, there's a fallacy to the testing, and because the virus is new and morphing, that, you know, PCR has its value, and the antibody test has proven to be very inaccurate. But what I don't like about either test is it doesn't provide you, the individual, with something actionable you can do to protect yourself against the virus. It's really for the government to determine whether, you know, we need to isolate certain people or certain groups. But what about you, the individual? And these tests aren't yielding you uh, anything to do. You know, if you're positive, then what? If you're negative, you could be positive tomorrow for both PCR and antibody. So how do you protect yourself? And that's really what I'm, I'm focused on. You know, the data is very clear that it initially came out of China has been corroborated in just about every single geography, Italy, Korea, the United States, is healthy people have very mild symptoms and die at extraordinarily low rates. So, but what is the definition of healthy? And that's what I think is the most important thing for us to talk about, define what that is. You know, I find, Tom, that when I talk to people about how nervous they are, I, first of all, I can't agree with you more. We got to test. We got to test. And, and that's it. Like, that's with all kinds of chronic illnesses. They're always into the testing. And, you know, modern science is really great at testing, but it doesn't go beyond that at all. And most of the people I talk to are so scared of this thing, I think, on some intuitive level because there are so many people that are obese. There are so many people with blood sugar problems. There are so many people with uh, uh, hypertension. Oh, that's a major risk factor as well. There are so many people with pre-existing lung disease as well. I talked to a lady the other day, and she's worried about with her asthma. There's people with COPD. So all these people are like living on the edge already, right? You know, what you're talking about are subjective things. Asthma. Cardiovascular disease is the biggest pre-existing condition in terms of high mortality in COVID-19. But we're, we've sort of forwarded the concept that everything is on a continuum. Your health is a continuum. It's not a step function like in the standard of care. You're either healthy or you're sick. So we all reside in a continuum. I'll tell you this. Right now, there are two people in this country with cardiovascular disease. One's going to die today, and one's going to live to 95. So cardiovascular disease is such an amorphous term. What are the underlying physiology and pathology behind cardiovascular disease? That's what someone should be worrying about. That, that you know, the physiological health is what I think we measure extraordinarily well. Well, but there's also degrees. I think that's what you're basically saying as well. I mean, some people have ridiculous high blood pressure numbers, and they're overweight, and they have blood sugar problems, and they don't exercise, and they're dehydrated. I mean, these are the worst people I've been hearing from people who are in the hospital that watch these individuals die with COVID-19, you know, it, just according to the conventional terms. 
but they have so much more. Their body is like a train wreck. So it's interesting that the Chinese do different testing than the American standard of care. And they published a paper way back in February and all the big concerns like Harvard Medical School jumped on it. And I know it's going to be hard for your audience to see, but this is a a treatment guidance, which anybody can look up on the Internet, Mass General COVID-19 Treatment Guidance. And what they've done here is this is for people with COVID-19 that are in hospital. They're risk stratifying people. Why? Every ER and ICU and emergency room nurse knows and doctor knows that you have to stratify people, especially when it gets busy. Some are no hopers. They're beyond hope. Some are hypochondriacs, but in the middle, you can help people. So Harvard, when the crush came quite a while ago, they took the Chinese tests so they could risk stratify where people were on the continuum. Who needs ventilation? Who needs uh, you know high pressure or just uh, extra oxygen concentration? But the tests there, they did fibrinogen, sed rate, ferritin, looking at white blood cell counts under a microscope. The reason why big data has failed us, big data, we heard all about that for decades. Now it's crickets because the data they have is garbage. Just looking at lipids, just looking at A1C. Looking at white blood cell counts like, you know, the, the, the normal range is like this when it's really like this is useless data. So, Jonathan, you know, my mentor at Harvard, uh, Dr. Clement Tremp, taught me how to take prop, do a proper workup, you know, really characterize individuals by doing broader physiological tests and deeper. So broader means more things that aren't done in the standard care. Deeper means looking at them from a chronic risk perspective, not saying, ah, on-off switch. And, and so that's what, we, that's what we have to do to characterize people. So you'll find that the comorbid people, as you were just alluding to, that are dying from this disease are going to have, if I can you know, use my old Boston accent, I'm now in Tennessee, wicked bad blood. And, and it's very easily measurable. But the important thing about measuring physiological health through these blood markers is good functional doctors know how to do interventions to lower them. Let me give you an example. C-reactive protein in the standard of care, it's tested once in a while, but most docs don't do it because they call it nonspecific. That means it's up in many, many diseases. I think you'd want to know that. But the real reason is they don't know how to lower it. (laughs) There's no drug that they can give someone to lower inflammation. C-reactive protein is a surrogate for inflammation. But that's why functional docs, you know, like Peter Osborne and all the people that are showing up on your immune defense summit and folks like myself as well, we know how to lower these things in humans. So if you look at the end game in COVID-19, it's similar to a lot of infectious diseases, sepsis. Okay, you're really dying of sepsis, which we're giving a new term to CSS, cytokine storm syndrome. So you're dying when these cytokines are way up here. So what is Harvard doing? They're measuring where you are on the cytokine storm continuum. And that's what we're doing. Wouldn't you like to know on, on the cytokine continuum, are you here but still feeling pretty good? Or are you here really safe? 
Or are you here and you have all these comorbidities? And wouldn't you like to move your cytokines down? That's why the people with cardiovascular disease are dying at high rates from COVID-19. Because they're in what I call a pre-cytokine storm condition. And we just published a paper. I'll send it to your group, Jonathan. And here it is. But the title of it is The Cytokine Storm and Pre-Cytokine Storm Status in COVID-19 a model for managing managing population risk for pandemics and chronic disease. Look, I don't care what you die from, your cytokines go berserk at the very end. So let's temper them now and you'll live a long, healthy life and fall off the cliff rather than sliding down that slippery slope. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, Tom, I love what you're saying. You know, I did a podcast with James Berzies. He's a second-year medical student. You may have heard this story, right? They wrote it up in the New York Post. And here it was. His mother had, like, in the middle there, something pretty serious going on. You know, middle-aged type woman, one lung, fully blown out, right? It's filled with fluid, pneumonia. Okay, you got it on one side. You probably have COVID-19 because this was a little while back and they weren't up to speed with testing. They did not test her, but she showed all the symptoms, difficulty breathing, yada, 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 all the different symptoms before when she got admitted to the hospital. So they check her out and Tom, they sent her home. They said, go rest with the hydroxychloroquine and the, and the Z-Pack. Oh, just take this and uh, you know, just go home and rest. Meanwhile, the point is, he's a second-year medical student. He sees his mother suffering. She can't breathe. She can't move. She can't do anything at all. It's terribly difficult for her. And so he asks one of his teachers at school, what can I do? The guy is into taking care of these cytokine storms with Lyme disease patients in his really serious situation. He says, you know what, James? Try 2,000 milligrams one time of glutathione Boom, knocks down everything. She can breathe better. She can move around. She's got energy, just like what you said. She's out of the danger zone. And my goodness, Tom, how many people just need to have stuff knocked down so that they can literally breathe again? And conventional medicine is not doing any of this, just shoving a tube down, you know, oh, we got to force air in. That'll do it while the person still remains fully infected. And and shutting doctors down that are doing IV vitamin C or ozone therapy. I'm dealing with a bunch of them right now. And I have one to put his name on our paper on ozone as a pro-vaccine. I don't like to use the word vaccine, but pro-vaccine. And it's really interesting, Jonathan, that um, this was a paper published by Scripps, the president of Scripps out in La Jolla, over, I think, 12 years ago that shows that the adaptive immune system antibodies, they grab the pathogen, but how they kill it is they produce ozone or reactive oxygen species. So ozone and anything that produces, anything that helps the immune system is actually a pro-vaccine. Um, that's sort of a, a reaching across the aisle because, you know, Gates and company are so fanatical about the vaccine. But look... Look at the vaccine efficacy on the flu in 2020. 58% at best, that's what they're reporting, against the most prevalent strain of flu. 58%. Yeah. 
Right. Whereas immune health is 95% or more. Sure. So if we put our if put our faith in someone else giving us that pill, we're going to be woefully disappointed. You know, I, I wrote a short blog on can something good co- come out of something bad. And I, I don't like to see the failure in conventional medicine, but by the same token, hopefully it's a learning experience for the population that this is not the way, this is not who you want to rely on for your health and longevity. There's only one person to rely on, and that is yourself. Obviously, get advice from key professionals, but if you're not taking care of yourself in a pandemic or something severe and efficacious like this, you're not going to do well. You know, you, you can't wait for the event and then try to, you know, cover up a lot of bad stuff. You've got to be proactive about things, and that's what medicine in America doesn't take care of. Nothing proactive. So I want to... It is. And I want to talk a little bit, Tom, about some of these tests that you get into to help turn people on to what's really going on with them. But just for a moment, I think we should stay with what you were just saying in terms of just, you know, teaching people how they should take better care of themselves. There would be so much less fear inside every single person out there. Imagine this, right? I'm I'm being like a Pollyanna here. I can hear the voice of one of my clients that, you know, Jonathan, I mean, I swear to you, she used to say to me in like a negative way, Jonathan, you're just way too positive all the time. But I can't help myself. Tom, imagine if on television every day they said, you know what? There's this virus. There's this bacteria. They're out there. Oh, by the way, there's a lot of other viruses known and unknown that have hit us and will hit us in the future and we'll never get rid of them. But if we do this, 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 and this, going back to what you said, we're 95% sure you're going to be pretty okay if you take better care of your immune system, which is what I'd really love to spend a few minutes now on focusing on the testing and what we should do more. You know what? You're going to have an environment that is unfriendly for this bacteria or this virus to take hold in your body and really do some damage. You're never going to get rid of these concepts, but you're also not going to be threatened, right? Oh, my God. The world would be so different. And now this is the kind of environment where I'm the irresponsible one. I'm actually being accused of when I'm promoting immune system. Tom, this is no joke. I'm being accused of of causing deaths because I'm promoting the concept of people focusing on their immune system don't worry so much about the virus, but focus on the immune system. But, you know, I know where the person's coming from. They mean well, but they just they're misconstruing where I'm coming from. You know what I mean? Lot, lot of lot of ignorance, Jonathan. A lot of ignorance. And you know, you brought up something quietly. I hope the audience picked up on it. But other infections, and this is what I tell my population because I I look at determinants of health, physiology, and then the other thing I look at is infections as a major component of what I think leads to chronic conditions, particularly as we age and when you undergo immunosenescence. So here we have the Harvard document again, and Besides looking at cytokine storm markers, they do serology for viruses and bacteria. Why? 
When you die, you no longer interact with the environment, yet you start decomposing. So where, what do you think is causing you to decompose and where to come from? From within. It's already there. That's why you have an immune system anyway. So, you know, one of the things we do is we'll look for Epstein-Barr and other viruses, uh, HSV viruses. Um, we'll look for chlamydia pneumoniae, one of the most prevalent bacteria that gets into the blood vessels and causes heart disease and Alzheimer's. When I say cause, I mean... These are multifactorial. They definitely contribute to this. And they're treatable, but they're just being largely ignored. And every one of them will peak your immune system a little bit, and then it'll just add up. But the problem in, in the standard of care, like markers, so here's white blood cell counts. It couldn't, it couldn't be any simpler. Okay, look at Wikipedia. What does a white blood cell do? It looks for pathogens and kills them, okay? And the standard of care, normal, you're perfectly healthy, is this, this wide. But you look at health labs online, they say, when you're normal doesn't mean you're healthy, and when you're abnormal doesn't mean you're sick. So what are they? What we've done is an exhaustive study of when a marker shows a statistical increase in mortality. And when you do that, that's, now we're looking at cro from chronic health. Now the normal range has been compressed down to here. And anything outside of that is abnormal. Now, in, in COVID-19, you're sort of systemically infected. But you are pre-infected. Maybe it's just some periodontal disease, a passion of yours, Jonathan. Now, you have a lot of blood. Let's just say you have a little infection in your gums, okay? Do you think you're going to have a white blood cell count of, uh, you know, off the charts? No. It's just going to elevate a little bit compared to normal, Okay. But that elevation above absolute normal is enough to give a smart doctor a clue that there's something infectious or inflammatory going on in your body. And that's the whole essence of our algorithm. We give you a, we do a, a blood panel, it's 55 markers, but 20 of them are really specific to inflammation and chronic disease. So for example, low vitamin D. Not necessarily tied to inflammation, C-reactive protein is, homocysteine, fibrinogen. But so it's, it's a constellation. Now, each of those 20 markers we looked at from where do they show an increase in mortality, either on the low side, the high side, or both. And then we created a, a continuum once you start going into a more, an, an increase in early morta mortality regime. But what we do is we take the 20 and we give you an aggregate score called your chronic disease temperature. So it's really easy to track because you get this amplification, okay? And rather than saying, oh, my fibrinogen went up, my set rate went down, am I better or not? When we give you a single risk score, you can tell which direction you're moving. Yes, yeah, some may bump up a little bit because these markers are also so-called acute phase reactants. They'll go up. Like C-reactive protein, you bang your toe, you stub it, and you're bleeding. Fibrinogen will go up and C-reactive protein will go up. But then it comes down fairly quickly. So we're looking at the chronic implication of these markers. And that's when you have to pull your magnifying glass out and look at them. So that's, uh, that's the essence of our testing. I'd, lo I'd love to show you a chart. I know it's going to be hard to see, but I'm going to show it anyway, Jonathan. <laughs> but anyway, this chart simply says, there's a yellow arrow going down, okay? This chart simply says, and it's in a paper we're just publishing, 
that you have control over your cytokine storm. Because what we measured on one side of this curve is risks, and the other side is physiology. And with a group of 70 people, all we did was lower risks and showed that just by lowering their risk, basic things, their physiology improved. They don't need meds. They just need to improve their bleeding gum status. When they're flossing, if they have a little bleeding, that's not good, not acceptable. They, need to, they, they can't be going to the bathroom every third day. They need to have good gut health, so on and so forth. Are any of these things complicated? No. But when you do these things, your blood gets better. And the blood is your immune response, which now in COVID-19 is being called a cytokine storm. All a cytokine storm is, is your immune system doing its level best, but failing to keep up with the virulence of the infection. Yeah, it's, you know, at that point, Tom, it's it's like last-ditch efforts, right? It's like cancer cells growing out of control and tumors developing. And, I mean, it's just the body wants to live. I mean, as if the body is something separate from who we really are. I mean, I think most people watching us, they know exactly what I mean. But the point is... We all want to live and survive, right? So the body's always trying to do something like that. But everything you were describing, Tom, it's so clear as someone is reaching the end of their life, kidney functions going down, respiration, oxygen coming in, it's going down, circulation is becoming more sluggish. And, you know, in a more catastrophic way, we're getting more stagnant, we're getting more calcified, we're getting more clogged up, fluid is building up more in our body. We just can't live another day when it gets to be too much. But like you said before, there are so many things you can do in between so that you don't have to have years of suffering drowning in your own fluids, you know, drink water, take walks, you know, stretch your muscles, don't eat as much processed salt and sugar and the kind of calcium, you know, and all these synthetic ingredients and substances in our food that just clog up our body. I mean, the list goes on and on so that we can keep this very fluid, rapidly moving, flexible body of ours so that we can then express ourselves the best we can. I mean, I think that's it in a nutshell, you know? You, you nailed it. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the manifestation of that that has failed out there in populations. It's called a wellness program. Because they focus on five things that for most people are unattainable. Lose weight, stop smoking, stop drinking, lower your A1C, and I forget what the fifth one is. But they're, you know... You just articulated that the devil's in the detail. So I have a little analogy. Let's say you have a $5 million condition. How about I write you a check for a million dollars? That's taking a drug that managed symptoms. Or the second choice is I'll give you a penny today. Tomorrow I'll give you two pennies. And I'll keep doubling it for 31 days. Right. When I give you that first penny, it's nothing, right? Yeah. But see, it's the constellation. It's the symphony that your body... So at the end of 31 days, you have $10.7 million, well enough to handle the $5 million condition. And so what I like about this whole concept 
is you don't have to do something that you cannot attain. It's the little things. Can yes. you do a little swishing to stop your gums from bleeding? Sure. Can you cut your carbs back from 150 grams to, you know, 100 grams for a little while to try to get back into balance? It's just, it's, it's little things like that that I think you pointed out extraordinarily well that will ultimately change your physiological health. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people think, oh, I, again, I shouldn't say a lot. There is a significant small portion of our audience that feels like, oh, Jonathan, you go into conspiracy theories. It isn't. This is just reality, and it's hard to explain to someone who's not educated in these topics that government, politics, money, greed, control— are all part of the elements of this. I'm not saying that a virus isn't real. I'm not saying that people aren't sick. But man, oh man, am I saying that a lot of people are not being focused on what matters the most, which is exactly what we're talking about here. We should be promoting the kind of things and, and discouraging the kind of things that we know would move an entire population to being healthier. The way food companies produce food. I mean, I'm having amazing conversations, Tom, with farmers today who are doing biodynamic farming, how they respect the health of the soil and the quality of the food. And Tom, I'm buying directly from these farmers. I've never eaten better. The restaurants are closed, which I think is horrible, but I've never personally eaten better because I'm focusing in on improving the non-sexy little things that matter the most that really, thank God, make me and my whole family feel good. And I just want to share this with everybody else. We should be doing this on a federal level. It should be federal programs. You know, I was listening to uh, University of California TV, and they had a whole group talking about food as medicine. But they really didn't un even understand the basic concept, or at least not articul articulating, that repair and recovery is everything. You sleep to repair and recover. A carbohydrate doesn't help you repair and recover. A protein does. You know, fats do. But it's the micronutrients. It, it's the devil's, once again, the, the devil's in the detail on, on all these things. And, you know, changing the subject a little bit, but we talked about, the or the feds talked about the lack of preparedness. And once yeah. again, they completely missed it. It's not about having enough ventilators. Oh, no, we got to have more ventilators so that when people are dropping like flies, we can shove the tubes. I mean, it's crazy. It's reactive, reactive, reactive. God forbid that we should have a program that where the doctors actually can do good testing yes. to measure what kills you. Cytokine storms kill you in almost every instance of every end-of-life condition. Tom, what a beautiful world it would be if doctors gave enough vitamin C in the United States compared to what they're doing in China. Enough glutathione, enough vitamin D to everybody, promoting people getting outside, promoting the fact that they government-assisted programs, financial programs to make it inexpensive to make it more doable for organic farmers to grow that food, make it more expensive to buy garbage. I mean, just flip the whole paradigm, you know? Jonathan, I want to talk about the corruption thing for a second. We, we got uh, a couple minutes left. 
Okay, be very, very quick. Now, I, I have a letter of intent to bring my brain health program to the Far East. I won't mention any country names or individuals. Sure. There's a sure. high-level Cleveland Clinic guy who's now overseas, has been there for several years. Sure. And I was said, when I present this to the powers that be, all U.S. trained, but overseas docs, are they going to poo-poo it like everybody else? They said, no. They have a double-payer system. The royal family and a private group and they're all looking to save money for real they've analyzed the u.s system and looked at the good and the bad and realized that they do not want to copy the u.s system okay they do not want to spend exorbitant amounts of money on health care like we are in america with fairly meager results you know Compared to developed nations, we spend two and a half times more and live two and a half years less. So the very simple conclusion, the more we spend, the shorter we're going to live. So, yeah. you know, and being healthy by eating good food and exercising and everything you mentioned, not that expensive compared to what disease costs. It's great. Tom, look. If people wanted to connect with you, you've done so many events with me. You're a featured speaker on the Immune Defense Summit. I just so appreciate everything you always offer. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, you know, and they're not watching the video, which will have, you know, your, your website below your name, but in audio, where can they go to get more info on you? Well, the name of our organization and our website is Health Revival Partners with an S. So health revival partners, obviously.com. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, I'm really looking forward, like I said, to, uh, to having you do a lot more of this stuff in the future. It's, it's just great to have you. Thanks again. Take care, everybody. Okay, thank you so much.